Welcome to the Friars on the Farm podcast. I am your host, Roy Thomason, because my co-host happens to be on the road. So today, reporting live from the banks of the Tennessee River, is my co-host, Donovan Jones. Hi, I am in Morris Chapel, Tennessee, folks, uh, on the backside of a vacation that, uh, that took me all over, pretty much all over Tennessee. Now, you're out there to visit family, right? Yeah, we, the first part of it was to go. The second part of it was to visit family. I'm with here with my. Uh, we're at my uh, my my brother's uh, mother-in-law's cabin uh, in Morris Chapel, Tennessee, right on the banks of the Tennessee River. We're out here seeing my dad, seeing my brother, seeing his family, hanging out. Um, but the first part of it was uh, us traveling to a few minor league cities, uh, doing some investigating about potentially moving to, and uh, partaking in the host family program. So you've been getting around to quite a few different ballparks lately. I have. So we came in, we took the red eye on Friday and got here Saturday, then drove down to Rome, Georgia, uh, where there is a host family program in the Rome, Georgia, uh, Rome Braves, that's a single A affiliate in the South Atlantic League, uh, played the Columbia Fireflies, which is a single A affiliate of the New York Mets. Um, and it was, that stadium was really nice. It was hot. It was humid. Uh, and that's kind of one of the reasons why we wanted to go down there was to figure out if we can deal with the hot and the humid. You know, those of you who don't know, my wife Liddy has curly hair and uh, like she it fluffs up like Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. Um, the great thing about that game on Saturday was Anthony Swanson and Austin Riley were rehabbing are rehabbing for the rest of the week down there. Nice. Fun fact. Yeah. Charlie Culberson, yeah. Major League Baseball player, is from Rome, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so there we have it, and we talked to the, you know, we, it was a great game. Uh, it was packed. We thought we can get tickets pretty easily. Now, but, this is uh, this is rookie, le- rookie level league, right? This is A-ball. This is like, this is A-ball. This is full season A-ball. Okay. It's the Fort Wayne, the South Atlantic League is the Fort Wayne single A full season league. And that's what people refer to as the Sally League? Yeah, because it's the South Atlantic League. Okay. So where did your adventure take you to next? Then after that, we went and saw, we went to Chattanooga uh, for the double A. So the double A uh, Chattanooga Lookouts are the Red Double A team, and they played the Montgomery Biscuits. Um, we saw them on Sunday, and that's another great ballpark. Uh, Morgan Ensberg is the manager of the Biscuits, who uh, that we sat on that side, and uh, you know when he walked up, I, you know, just. There's no one there. They were finishing up a uh, a game that was delayed from the night before, and I'm like Morgan, San Diegans, and he's like, oh, you know, I thought he was just gonna go like, oh, you know, give me that hand signal, that's great. Came over, we're you know, we sat right next to the dugout, we sat and chatted, and I told him what we were doing while we were there. The family do the host family thing, and you know, he sat and talked to us for about you know about four or five minutes, and then the game started, and then. At the end of the inning, he came back out and he's like, "Oh, Montgomery, Alabama, you got. Uh, I live up in L.A., but if you, you know, if you're looking somewhere to live in a small minor league town like this, some parts of Montgomery, Alabama, that are just fantastic." And I thought it was really cool because he was also a um, he managed uh, UCSD baseball. He helped. He co-managed. Not, I don't know. He was a coach for UCSD baseball. For a season there, and uh, then got a job with, I think, with the Tampa Bay Double Rays. But yeah, that's the double uh, double A team for the Tampa Bay Double Rays. 
And, you know, I woke up this morning to find, you know, checked on Twitter and, you know, read the Blake Bivens absolute devastating travel, just tragic news. Yeah, I read about that. I That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I was, I, for someone who, like, it just, it was shocking. It was so, I I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because we do the podcast, maybe it's because we're, like, I love minor league baseball and I'm a, we're like baseball people, but I was just, I was taken aback. I was like, I was devastated and I'm, I don't know the guy from nothing. Um, it's just, Sad to hear stuff like that happen, and you see the pictures, and you know it's just a mess. Um, but then, so Monday, we uh, so we drove- before we we, sh- we shouldn't gloss over that. Blake Bivens is a minor leaguer in the Rays organization, and his wife and his child were murdered, um, apparently by his wife's brother, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, and I, regardless of what the situations are, that's the kind of tragedy. I mean, we, we talk about a game, but this is, I mean, li- lives are, yeah. I, You're speechless. You really can't talk about it. But, you know, and it was the day before that stuff happened. And uh, it's just it's just crazy that it's just it's, it's insanely, incredibly sad. So that was Sunday. And then. We drove from Chattanooga. We actually stayed the night in Cherokee, North Carolina, which drove us to the Smoky Mountains. And, and people that listen to this, you know, the, the five people that listen to this, you guys, if you ever get a chance to just spend some time in the Smoky Mountains, it, there is a beauty and a majesty of that national park that is just it's incredible. Uh, did, and, you, uh, did you take the Chattanooga choo-choo by chance? No, but we drove by the, like, the sign that says, you know, National Historic Site, Chattanooga Choo Choo. And then, you know, the song had stuck in your head for like 40 miles. <laughs> so now, the Montgomery Biscuits, they, before you move on from Montgomery, they've got one of the best logos in all of baseball. It's the Biscuits. Yeah, I right. love that. <laughs> so we ended up getting uh, lookout swag. So I ended up buying a shirt out of all the places. I didn't want to buy a Rome jersey, a Rome Braves jersey because it said Braves. And lookouts have the lookout because there's a lookout there in, in the Chattanooga area where you can see seven different States. And, uh, you know, all this time on the road, whenever me and Liddy would kind of get short with each other, it'd be like, well, let's go to the lookout so we can get you up there on the Hill. (laughs) Sorry. That was a little bad, but bad joke after just talking about what happened recently. But, um, we bought the swag there and then going through the, you know, spend the night and in Cherokee, and then drove the god three three hours to uh, to Kodak, Tennessee, which was the home of the Tennessee Smokies, the Double A affiliate of the Cubs. Who um, the pitching coach is Ron Valone, former major leaguer, and they were playing the former Birmingham former Bears. Padre. Yeah, former Padre. Nineteen ninety five, he picked for the Padre, uh, and then they played the Birmingham Barons, who was managed by Omar Vizquel. And that was where Michael Jordan famously played. Absolutely. Uh, and it was weird because, like, when the manager came out to take the picture out from the Barons, I'm like, he looks, God, he looks familiar. And I even looked up both rosters the night before. So I was going to try to get some video for, like, Prospect Live or Prospect, uh, you know, some of the Prospect sites. And I totally skipped over that Omar Vizquel was the manager. Then. So I, I didn't know that you were going to Birmingham. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Tennessee, the Birmingham Barons played there. Oh, that's right. Okay, I'm sorry. I was I'm, well. I'm now. I'm thinking about it. I'm going to go off on the tangent right here. So in Birmingham, 
the oldest professional baseball park in the United States is Rickwood Field, and it's been in operation since 1910. It's still a working baseball stadium, and the Birmingham Barons play a game there every year. It hosted several Negro League teams. Interesting. Uh, and to go back to our first uh, our first game against the you know, Rome Braves and Columbia Fireflies, um, the pitching coach for the Fireflies is none other than former Padres and San Diego State great Royce Ring. Oh, how about that? He was part yeah. of the Heath Bell trade. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I looked for him, and I looked at pictures of Royce, and then I looked at like the guy that was out with the pitching, you know, out with the pitchers, and they didn't look the same. So maybe he lost some weight, but and maybe they even changed pitchers coach since then but i'm like i wanted to go down and go like hey we're from san diego you know like that matters or whatever you didn't get a chance to uh, no i didn't get a chance to i didn't i wasn't 100 percent sure but it, you know you look on the roster it says yeah right ring well and people <laughs> people you know they they take leave and stuff like there were a few games when um tony tarasco wasn't with the storm and so unless you were paying attention and you knew you wouldn't you wouldn't even know that somebody else was managing the team that day yeah, absolutely. And well, so and now I'm here in Tennessee visiting family until Friday, and then we fly up back on Friday. Uh, we have a few days off before I go back to work and back to real life. But by that time, it'll be the end of the minor league season. So you've been going around a little bit to uh, some parks up in uh, up north, yeah? We have. We So we're coming down toward the end of the season for the Lake Elsinore Storm, and they are entrenched in a postseason hunt. The uh, Rancho Cucamonga Quakes won the first half of the season. They're going to have the best schedule overall, or the best record overall. But the so then the second best record in their division is going to win is going to go to the, the postseason. And so it's between the Storm and the uh, Lancaster Jethawks. So the Storm went to Lancaster for three or four games. Now they're in Rancho Cucamonga, and then they're going to come home and play four games against Lancaster. So all of these games mean a lot. So we drove up to Lancaster and went to a game there, and that was amazing. Uh, and then and the Storm happened to win in one of the most unusual games I've ever seen because obviously scoring is bananas at Lancaster. The Storm scored in every single inning of a nine-inning game. They wound up winning the game, I think it was 16-13. to 13, And I, it was only the third time in the Cali, the Cali League history that a team had scored in every single inning. And it was like, I noticed it around the seventh inning. and I kind of nudged Angela and I said, look, there's a number, there's, there's, they're not all, there's no zeros in our column. She's like, Shh, don't say anything. Don't jinx it. So sure enough, they kept on scoring. And when they finally scored in the ninth, they let out a little fist pump. Like, yeah, this is really cool. It's, it's such a nerdy thing that <laughs> you kind of have to be a, you have to be a baseball nerd to, to appreciate it. But you see something like that happen and it's cool. And then last night we drove up to Rancho Cucamonga to go visit the Quakes ballpark. Um, and so it was neat because we've, we've interacted with the players a fair bit. And so we just stand there while they're coming out and we wave to them and they all look over at it like, Oh, Hey, a familiar face. It's, it's just neat getting that reaction from those guys. So yeah, they, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere and you see people. It was like when Morgan came over to us, he's like, we're at San Diego. He's like, really? And came over and investigated. Absolutely. So we have that game in the, in the uh, affiliate rundown. So yes. we're going to go over that. They close to a storm game a little bit more. And, you know, one of the first things I texted Joey Cantillo was like, I'm mean, just throw away any stuff that happens in Lancaster. And when we interviewed him recently, I'm like, just trust me, just anything that happens, if it's good, that's good. If it's bad, like, don't 
take it to heart because Lancaster is a nightmare. He did pretty well in that game. And he gave up some runs, but it's hard to prevent runs in that game. And Lancaster has a good offense. They've got some guys that can absolutely hit. So let's go ahead and roll into our batting leadoff section here. Uh, today, the Arizona Fall League rosters were, were announced. So the Padres are sending three players to go play on the uh, Peoria Javelinas. In, so in the Arizona Fall League, the teams are composites of teams. Uh, major league teams have the opportunity to send a certain number of their uh, minor league players to play. And so I, I don't have it in front of me who all plays on the um, Javelinas, but the Padres are sending three representatives. They're sending catcher Luis Campusano, um, second base shortstop Owen Miller, and third baseman Hudson Potts. I'm kind of surprised they're not sending... Oh, so I see in your note here, you say the Padres will have four pitchers, but they've not yet been announced. I hadn't seen that yet. Because the roster already looks pretty full, but I figure there's going to be change coming. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're still the minor league season, and they don't, I'm sure they don't want to, like, give those guys, they don't know who yet. I'm sure they have some good ideas, but I was surprised that Hudson Potts went back again. Well, and he's, I'm surprised that Owen Miller is going. Um, I mean, Campusano had a great season. Owen Miller has had a solid season all the way through. So when I think of people going to the Arizona Fall League, I think of people that need a little bit of extra work. They're, you know, they're working on something. And Hudson Potts, he was overmatched in double A. Uh, he struck out a ton. The power's obviously there, but the contact's not. So, but then even recently, he's shown a little bit of improvement. So maybe there's stuff that he's working on, mechanics, approach, I don't know. So that makes sense. You send that guy there, go get some more reps. Maybe you face some more advanced guys. Uh, but Owen Miller and Campusano, I, I almost feel like you want to congratulate them for a season well done and give them a break. Let him have off, right? Yeah, but you know what? If they want to keep going, and because the, the guys, it's they're invited to come. So if if they want to go and participate, absolutely. But it's not mandatory at all. In fact, I heard that uh, Gabriel Arias had been invited and he declined because he had other reasons, you know, something else he wanted to do. Um, Interesting. That was one of the guys that I thought would go. Like, oh, he's got to be Gabriel Arias. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to play fall ball or if he's going to play winter league. I would bet that he will. I I don't know. Um, it's probably another you know, month and a half, two months till we find out about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. So we've got an injury report here. Last week on Tuesday, the 20th, Luis Patino left before the fourth inning during warmups. It looked like he developed a blister. He did, in fact, develop a blister. The three innings before, he was cruising. He had two hits and three strikeouts through the three innings um, in double A, and he was doing just fine. He was at like 35 pitches. So yeah, he has a blister. And I have heard that he is being shut down for the season and it's a workload thing. It's he's healthy. He's fine. Um, when somebody gets a blister, it takes a while for that to heal because you need the fluid to go away and then you need the skin to, to bond. And that takes some time. And so even with just the blister, they probably would have shelved him for a couple of weeks. So you're so close to the end of the season. Just go ahead and take the rest of the year off. Mackenzie Gore made an appearance. He pitched, uh, I believe it was yesterday. Yesterday or the day before. Yeah, faced, yeah, an, in, an inning and two-thirds, and he got a strikeout with every out, and then he was done. So that was mandated. He was only going to pitch like 30, 35 pitches, and that's what he did. Great job. Pat him on the back. Go have a nice offseason. So good for those guys. Absolutely. Well, it's funny how – he had the 35 pitch limit on a short, you know, very, very short leash. 
But the uh, when I was at the All Star game and he was throwing a bullpen, he wasn't pitching, but he threw a bullpen and he threw about thirty pitches. So that must be the threshold of like maybe a bullpen is about thirty pitches. I'm learning here as well. It's like that must be about what a bullpen is about thirty pitches. Yeah. So if but he's going to go through a bullpen, might as well go throw it in a game. Yeah. Where you're not yeah. just executing your pitches, you're actually going through the whole process against the top prospect Jeter Downs and mowed that guy down. Ah, <laughs> yeah. He, well, and you saw the velocity kick up on there. He had hitting, he was hitting 96, 96, 96, throwing the 84 mile an hour changeup. And I think he hit 97. I don't know if you saw the tweet from, from someone that had all the velo against, uh, all his pitch, well, most of his pitches, um, were just upper 90s that he had not hit in all season. Well, he's rested. He's fresh. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So moving on, one of the things that we forgot to report last Thursday, and now it seems to be, you know, it's old news for us, but we still want to report it, is Pedro Avila was activated from the injury list, made his first appearance in Amarillo since April. You know, in this, he labored in the second. Then as a, he delivered the ball forward to a walk in a run. Like, you saw that. His arm, he grabbed his arm. The ball went sideways. He's writhing on the ground in pain. He was in a tremendous uh, amount of pain. I haven't heard anything. No, I haven't heard anything either. Uh, but when I've seen people with significant elbow injuries, I don't see that kind of pain. You know, there's it, it looks like they feel something that's unusual. They know that something's not right, but you don't see them drop to the ground and roll around and hold on to something. That looked like I've I've been there when somebody um, when somebody tore their biceps tendon, and that is incredibly painful. And that is the, the, the way he was expressing his pain. That's what it reminded me of. So I, I don't know what it is, but that's, yeah, it's so it, it hurts when you see somebody that's doing well, they're working their way back from rehab. You know that they have a lot of talent um, and then they get hurt like that. It just, it sucks. You know, he's going to be out for a long time. I, I don't know if he's going to be back next year. We haven't heard a diagnosis, but it just, it sucks. We saw something kind of similar in Lancaster, and it's unfortunate. So Hansel Rodriguez was in to pitch the ninth inning, and he, in the middle of his deli- of his delivery, I, I was watching the batter. I wasn't watching him, and I heard a shout come out, and then he spiked the ball down about 10 feet in front of the mound. And it, it, I think the, the grunt was from him. Um, there was a runner on third base. They called Bach. The runner came in, but that's beside the point. He immediately left the game. Um, went back into the clubhouse with a trainer and then he was sitting back out in the dugout and uh, it was clear that something wasn't right. He was just sitting there and you could tell that his heart was broken. Um, So again, we haven't heard any diagnosis. Uh, The Padres have a very good medical staff working with them. So I'm sure these guys are getting really good medical care and all all that attention that they need. But Hansel Rodriguez worked his way back from Tommy John. He was having a good year this year. He was showing a lot of talent. And you just you just want to see the guys finish strong and go healthy into the offseason and to see somebody get hurt. And now that I've had a chance to meet and talk to Hansel a couple of times, he's a really nice guy. And so yeah. when you, some of these people, you get to know them a little bit and it's like, I want to see this guy succeed. And then something like that happens. And it's like, man. Yeah, it was that. And, and you know, Pedro Avila had that spot start early, early in the season. I think it was against the Mets. And he did really well. well he did great. He did fantastic, and you know, with, with you know the beginning of the season, even the beginning of last year, we're like, "Oh, there's a statue pitching, we're a statue pitching." 
Well, this is why you get stacks of pitching because people fall off, and they've been falling off. Like these are two pretty not devastating injuries to our pitching core, but these are definitely two guys that could have uh, made their way to the Padres next year, particularly Hansel Rodriguez. Well, you know, we need that bullpen help. We need the guys that can go in and pound the zone for two innings. Um, if Pedro Avila yeah. had stayed healthy, he probably would have been. Uh, at least a shuttle guy, if not a part of the rotation for a significant chunk of the season. And that would have made a big difference. I mean, I'm not saying it's enough to push the team into the postseason or anything like that, but right now the pitching staff is just depleted. So if you had one more person in the rotation, you wouldn't have all these bullpen starts. You know, maybe you'd have one less bullpen guy that's worn out. So anyway, enough bad news. Let's move on to awards season. Yes, it's good news time. (laughs) Yeah, so from the tin caps... Um, Joey Cantillo and Xavier Edwards have been named to the postseason all-star team. Cantillo was awarded left-handed pitcher of the year. During his time with the Tin Caps this season, Cantillo put up some of the best pitching numbers across all of minor league baseball. The 19-year-old from Hawaii had a 1.93 ERA and 19 starts. Cantillo racked up 128 strikeouts and 98 innings, uh, pitched with a 0.87 whip and an opposing batting average of 173. He is now the Padres' 18th best prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. The left-handed pitcher of the year has come from Fort Wayne the last two seasons because last year it was Osvaldo Hernandez. Obviously. Xavier Edwards was named the second baseman of the year for the Midwest League, started the Midwest League All-Star Game at second base, and hit leadoff for the Eastern Division. The recently turned 21-year-old, a 20-year-old, posted a 336 batting average in 77 games with the Tin Caps, the average that led the league at the time of his departure. The former second-round pick also had on-base set a percentage of 392, stole 20 bags, scored 44 runs, and had a swinging strike of just 4.2%. That's huge. That's the barrel control. That, along with the speed and a decent glove, will keep you on the track to the major league. So he's spent a good chunk of the season in uh, in Lake Elsinore now in advanced single-A, and you, you can see that now he's playing at the proper level because his batting average has dri- dipped below 300. Um, yesterday, he had a couple of tough outs up in uh, up in uh, Rancho Cucamonga, and he was showing some frustration, but that's good. You want to see these guys struggle and adjust and adapt and improve. Yeah. All right. So, speaking of the California League, the California League announced their postseason awards. Luis Campusano was named co-MVP and postseason all-star. The Padres' second-round selection out of Cross Creek High School in Georgia in 2017 has hit a league-leading 320 through 103 games with a storm, tallying 36 multi-hit games to go along with a team-best 69 RBI. Very nice. Campusano currently ranks along the top three in the league in RBI, on-base percentage, and OPS. Mackenzie Gore was also named to the postseason All-Star team. Uh, He's the third-ranked prospect in minor league baseball and the top-ranked left-handed pitching prospect. Gore is one of four pitchers selected to the All-Star roster. The Padres' first-round selection in 2017 made 15 starts with the Storm before his promotion to AA Amarillo. The 20-year-old posted dominant numbers with Lake Elsinore that include a 1.02 earned run average, a 7-1 record, 0.71 walks plus hits per innings pitched, an opponent batting average of 137 and 110 strikes in 79.1 innings. His season included a trip to the mid-season California League All-Star Game, the SiriusXM All-Star Futures Game in Cleveland, um, and being showcased on the cover of July's edition of Baseball America. I don't know if you can have a better year than what like what uh, Mackenzie Gore just did at this age. You can't. And then I was just thinking of this. And then 
like, okay, you've been up for a few weeks. Apparently, he was in Peoria for three weeks. Come up and just make sure you still got it. Oh, oh yeah, you, you still got it. You know, it's, oh, it, it is. I mean, you really just want to, like, put the guy on a float and just, like, go hang out. Now, go home, take your time with your family, and, um, and just enjoy it because he is everything that we want. And the collective Padre Nation will have you in their prayers of not getting hurt. Don't, you know, he goes duck hunting in the offseason. Be careful. Um, go have fun, but be careful. You know, wear that very, very bright orange jacket, uh, you know, and just be our, that's our next chance for rookie of the year, I really believe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I keep thinking back to what Walker Bueller did for the, um, the Dodgers a couple years ago when he came up late in the season. Uh, I, I don't know if Gore's going to make the team out of spring training. He might, uh, but I'd like to think that he's going to come up in the middle or toward the end of the year and really contribute to a team that's trying to push. So, yeah, that's a good point. And you, like, we've got to just, you know, with, with, with Patty being out, you know, that goes our last shot at, at a, at a rookie of the year, almost really until Gore, maybe, maybe Patino, maybe, but I don't, I don't, that's not the way Preller works. He's not going for the accolades. He may make the team out of spring training. I wouldn't be surprised, but I think again, he would be on a similar pitch count or innings limit, such as like Chris Paddock. Maybe have a little more leash, but still, they don't want to have that guy have a full major league load in his first, you know, his second full season back from a, from actually from being drafted. You know, the 60 innings coming from the first year is nothing. This year being double the innings plus, and then going to another full season. So I think if he does make the team out of spring training, there will eventually be some of that six-man rotation, some of the uh, just keeping an eye on his inning limits going forward through the whole season. Well, he's, he's our only hope for – yeah, go on. He's, he's, he's thrown 101 innings this year, and typically yeah. they try to increase it by about 30 innings, maybe a little bit more than that. So next year, 130, 140 innings is probably what we can expect. And so for yeah. a, a rookie of the year candidate, that's probably not enough of a sample size to do it. Yeah, they, they knock on that. It's not you know the full 180 innings full season that you uh, you know, to to qualify for the rate stats and all that other stuff. There's still more hardware. Oh yeah, there's more hardware. Okay, so Lake Elsinore pitch, pitching coach Pete Zamora in his second year with the Storm and fourth season in the Padres organization earned Coach of the Year honors as the Lake Elsinore staff currently ranks first in earned run average, shutouts, WHIP and opponent batting average while allowing the league's fewest hits and earned runs. Now, now that's not just like pitching coach of the year. That is coach of the year. Um, Zamora has coached nine storm pitchers to the midseason California League All-Star game in the past two seasons. And then finally, the clubhouse manager of the year is Terrence Tucker, a community ambassador who has now won the annual award four times in his nine seasons with the storm. He is such a, such a good guy. Every time you know, I've, the better I, the more I get to know him, the more impressed I am by him. The other day we were up there and he had a group out in the hangar, um, like in the patio area, and it was a fundraiser. It was he has there's a foundation that he runs, and it's a charity foundation. Um, he's just he's just an amazing individual. He's a world class human being. Yeah, well, in the off season he also sells packages. He actually I asked him what you're doing in the off season. He's going to focus on uh, groups of 25 or more. So like. He's not only the clubhouse guy, like he has multiple people 
everyone wears multiple hats in minor league baseball. So Matt, he Matt and Dominic, both are guys that have been helping us with interviews. Those guys sell in the offseason. They're they're not just gonna go not do anything. They have to actually work. And so it's kinda like in the offseason the real work uh kind of gets going because you gotta sell ticket programs, you gotta sell season tickets, you know, you gotta bring in revenue. And and if you don't, they'll find someone else to do it. Oh, for sure. Okay, so the next item on our list here, Dennis Lynn of The Athletic wrote an article on Owen Miller. In the Padres' deep farm system, other position players offer more overwhelming tools, but talent evaluators inside and outside the organization would not be surprised if Miller ends up being one of the most impactful. He can hit, AA Amarillo manager Philip Wellman said, he can flat out hit. Through 464 at-bats, Miller is hitting 287, 352, 427 with 12 home runs. He's logged an OPS between 732 and 833 in each calendar month, and on Friday he recorded his team-leading 114th start. Further, the 22-year-old has wielded Amarillo's steadiest bat while splitting time between shortstop and second base, a relatively new assignment. And I've, I've noticed this, that he's hit, I, it's, just, it's consistent. He's not one of these guys that has a hot week and then a couple weeks where he's cold. And at the end of the season, you look back and the numbers look good. It's every week he's hitting every month, every level that he's played at. doesn't matter what stadium, who the opponent is, power pitcher, finesse pitcher. doesn't matter. He can hit everything. Yeah. And, and what I like about him and, you know, I, I think I've seen some stuff written about it. And I've also commented on it. Like he's got a dad bod, dude. He's got a 1930s, 1940s baseball player body. He, you know, he gets his shirt taken off after a walk-off, and he's not chiseled. He's not ripped. He's just got. He's just a ball player. And and what I like about that is he's not like I think sometimes you know when athletes get way too built. I mean, way too stocky, way too stiff, and has nothing. You know, has has so much to do with flexibility. It's just not being a workout guy. Maybe maybe it's just his first full season in, in pro ball. Maybe he'll come back ripped. To the nines uh, next spring training, but uh, you know, just thinking about that, like, God, dude, he's got a kind of a dad bump. <laughs> well, and there's um, there's a theory, at least in football and in like contact sports, that you have a lesser risk of injury if there's a little bit of cushion, a little bit of pudding in there. Yeah, yeah. When when your body can move around, you're not going to be pulling and tearing and and uh, you know putting strain on tendons and ligaments as much as if you would just a regular. Uh, having the regular workout. So this is, a, this is a quote from Miller. In the beginning, it was a little new to me, just learning the double play turns and different things like that, Miller said. Obviously, the ball comes off a bat a little different when you're on the other side of the infield. You're talking about being at second base. But after playing there for a while, I've definitely felt more comfortable. I would say as of now, I feel just as comfortable playing second as I do short. Miller is viewed as a desirable, a reliable defender, but his ability to spray hits around the field remains his defining trait. He always, he's always using the whole field in BP, even in the cage. Amarillo hitting coach uh, Raul Padron said he thinks that way. I'm going to get my pitch. If it's a double, if it's outside, I'm just going to go with it. And if it's in the middle, I'm just going to go with it. If it's inside, I'm going to pull it. Hitting the ball where it's pitched. So uh, Miller, uh, you've got Paul DeYoung on here next, and this makes me, I, I love going off on tangents. I'm sorry. Did you see what, what Paul DeYoung did in, uh, in uh, St. Louis? He hit a home run, and up in the upper deck in left field, they've got Big Mac land, and there's a sign up there that says Big Mac land on the fascia. Yeah. 
So Paul DeYoung hit the M in Big Mac and he broke the letter, like knocked the light out inside of it. And so they had to take the letter down and, and repair it. And so the next day, Paul DeYoung came in with a big sack full of Big Macs and he was going through the clubhouse, putting them on everybody's chair. And he would get to somebody and like, oh, this guy eats a lot here. He's going to get two. And then he'd get to somebody else. Oh, he, he, he probably eats a little too much here. He'll get a chicken sandwich. Right. So that was funny. But anyway, I say that because Miller Count St. Louis Cardinals shortstop Paul DeYoung as a friend and mentor. A fellow Illinois State alum, um, DeYoung's power might give him the higher ceiling, but his lone double-A season was not entirely different. In 2016, also at age 22, also playing in the Texas League, he hit 260, 324, 460 with 22 home runs. DeYoung went on to the Arizona Fall League that year. And Miller seems a prime candidate to follow in that path. We now know that he is going. Next spring, he's in, he is expected in big league camp where he could compete for a utility job or even figure into the race at second. And when I was, they were talking about him on the radio earlier this week and they were saying, yeah, next year he, he might. I remember this year when he was invited up to play in the spring training games, he already looked like he belonged. You watch him at second base and he was moving naturally. He, he just, he fit in. He didn't look out of place. He wasn't like... Uh, I saw Ronaldo in Ilaraza play in a game, and he looked like a kid out there playing among men. He did he did fine, but an 18 year old kid out there, and and uh, Owen Miller just fits in. He's he's a grown man. Absolutely, and I love well, you know I'll say this I don't know why I didn't say this, but like Miller's a good get. Like talking to uh, Austin um, Hartsfield out in Amarillo, he's like getting Owen Miller to talk to me is like tough. Like he won't, like he'll say a few things and then that'll be it. Like to get Dennis Lynn, I'm sure with Dennis Lynn being from the athletic and having, you know, the pedigree that Dennis Lynn has, get this interview. I'm like, God damn it. What? How'd you get that? You know? Oh yeah, of course it's Dennis Lynn from the athletic. But then I'm thinking if he's invited, because we try to talk to him in spring training. And if he's with the major league team and we go out there to do interviews, he's off limits. Like, we can't talk to them. Oh, well, we, we can ask, but I'm sure being on the major league roster, they're going to say, no, you get it, you know, he's busy or he's, he'd be a good get. But if he's with the major league team, I think he'll be out of our reach. God dang it, if that doesn't just get me in the chaw. You're, you're too humble. Okay, so also in the article, Dennis had a few paragraphs and notes on Edward Olivares and Darius Valdez. So Olivares is second on the team in appearances, and he appears to be another prospect on the rise. Olivares, 23, is hitting 289, 360, 462, with 17 home runs and 32 stolen bases. He could become the first Padres prospect to be named Texas League Player of the Year since Chase Headley in 2007. He is the horse in this lineup, Wellman said. Like Miller, Olivares could find himself in the majors sooner rather than later. The Padres added him to the 40-man roster last winter, protecting him from the Rule 5 draft. His aggressive approach has tempered the expectations of rival scouts who largely view him as a right fielder who might not hit for enough power to become a big league regular. Still, Olivares has made progress this year at the plate, showing an increased walk rate. Every once in a while, he'll try to do too much, Wellman said. He gets a little bit of a longer swing, but he's quick to make the adjustment. And that's important for someone his age, too, that he recognizes it. Well, Darius Valdez, one of the staff's most important pitchers, uh, in April, we didn't really know. Wellman said, I'd go, please, dear Lord, make him throw strikes. Now he's a reliable guy. <laughs> I love Phil Wellman. I love this guy. He's such an old, he's an old school baseball guy. But in double A, you need that. You need the no nonsense guy that's going to like, look, kid, this is what you got to do. 
And, you know, everyone knows of the famous video of back when he was a minor league coach for, I think, I don't know if it was with the Braves or what organization, where he, you know, it's a legendary rant that I think he pulled up every base. I think he threw, he dug up home plate. Um, but I just love that. I listened to him a little bit in spring training, and, uh, you know, he's just an old school ball, you know, he's an old school manager. And, and I love that about him. Hi! The wife has returned home from her bike ride. I wasn't going to say anything. Hi. <laughs> what do you, I can't hear him. Are you, I, hi, how are you? Good He's, thing? He says, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. I went on a 20-mile bike ride. Good job, baby. Woo! That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, Angela's hi. training for a bike race. Hi, Liddy. I love you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so that where were we? The podcast, so that'll go off. Wait, did you say your wife doesn't listen to the podcast? No. Oh, come on. Angela listens to us. I know. I know. But let's get out of this move. Okay. So we were talking about uh, about um, Amarillo, players that are there. They're in a playoff hunt. Um, and one of the coolest things that we've been able to follow the last week or so, uh, there is a player that the Padres signed, and we've talked about him before, Sam Williams. He was an undrafted free agent. They signed him right after the draft this year. He got called up to Lake Elsinore a couple weeks ago. He was in the Arizona Summer League, and he got called straight up to Lake Elsinore. His uncle lives in Chula Vista. He's active on Padres Twitter. And so we met his uncle in Lake Elsinore, and we sat there with him for Sam's first appearance with the Storm. He threw in a few games. He pitched in, uh, in Lancaster. Gave up a couple runs, but did a good job. And just yesterday, he got called up to Double A Amarillo. No, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I was at that game. It was his. It was his debut. I took a bunch of pictures. I emailed them all to to Sam's uncle. Um, his dad, I think, was there the next day. We were there Monday. His dad showed up Tuesday. Right. Dude, now he's wow. Now he's up in Double A. I, I love that. I, I love that. You know, that's not a meteoric rise. That's that's a guy to get your taste. That's a guy that they undrafted free agent, so his leash is going to be shorter. They're going to challenge him a little bit better. Maybe they see something there with the pitch mix. I think he's hit 90, 91, um, but throwing strikes, and that's what they need. And if, if, if Amarillo needs an extra arm in the bullpen, hell yeah. And if he gets a taste of the playoffs, yeah. you know, who knows what can happen. And yeah, I was talking to his dad. His dad, Dave, came out from Ohio to, to watch. So we met him. Um, I, th- I think that was that Sunday that we, we got to meet Dave. Uh, super nice guy. And so I was talking to Dave on the phone yesterday. And being an undrafted free agent out of college, didn't sign for a whole lot of money, um, they're going to move him around a little bit more. They they treat their top prospects with kid gloves. That's kind of a bad thing because you get unsettled and it's hard to, you don't you feel like you're drifting. It's hard to, to get consistent and get comfortable anywhere. But if you can do what Sam's done and consistently perform, that's nothing but a good thing. You've shown that you can perform, you're adjustable, you're adaptable. Um, and one point I made to him was that he's meeting a whole bunch of guys in a short period of time. He's getting to know the staffs at each level. He's getting to know all these coaches. He's making all these impressions. So this is a great thing for him next year. No matter what, he's got a job next spring. And that's really all that he can ask as an un- unsigned free agent. Yeah, particularly if he's performing in, in each one of these levels. For sure. Okay, so moving on to our affiliate rundown. In El Paso, for our single, Jerry Keel turned in his second consecutive quality start but did not factor in the decision. 
Keel allowed just three runs, two earned with two walks and four strikeouts. After a miserable July in which he pitched to a 13.71 ERA, Keel has a very solid 3.07 ERA in five August starts. Overall, Keel has a 6.85 ERA for El Paso this season, while allowing a league-high 194 hits and a system-high 139.1 innings. You almost think that he's going to get a September call-up just to kind of see what we've got in him. I think Jerry's he's a little bit older. Is he, not, he's, he's 28. I think he's a little bit older, yeah? Yeah, he's a little older. He was eligible for the Rule 5 last year, and they left him unprotected. So he's a left-handed starting pitcher. I don't know. I mean, he, he I, I don't know if he has the kind of ceiling that they would really want to call him up. So if they needed somebody to eat the innings, they might call him up. By the way, did you see Nick Margavichis is called up today? I did not. I saw that we picked up some Martini guy off waivers. That's about it. Yeah, the Padres picked Nick Martini up off waivers. He is a left-handed outfielder. Looks like he's pretty much a left fielder. Uh, doesn't have a lot of speed. Doesn't hit for a lot of power. But the guy gets on base, and he hits right-handed hitter uh, pitching really well. And I've been looking lately because Hunter Renfro doesn't hit righties. Manuel Margot doesn't hit righties. Will Myers in the past hasn't had a huge platoon split, but this year he hasn't been hitting righties all that great. So it makes sense that you pick up somebody that can hit a right-handed pitcher. Who knows how long he's going to stick around, but he does have two option seasons left. Okay. Um, and so they added, they're going to add him to the roster. They're going to, and, um, and then to bring Nick Margavichis up, they're sending Austin Allen back down to AAA. So there's your uh, little transaction why- there. Yeah, I read the article today on Austin Allen from um, uh, AJ Catherell. Yeah, he made some really good points in that article. Absolutely, uh, but let's move on. So with the double, with with the last, with last, with that line, with the last night, the Chihuahuas pulled within two games of the division lead with six to play. They had two more games at home with last place Salt Lake before finishing the season with four at playoff down Sacramento. So we talked. You mentioned it earlier. I mentioned that they may go to the playoffs. It's a it's a give or take. It's a it's it's it may happen, but it might not happen. Well, right now they're two games back of the Las Vegas Aviators in their division, so the magic number is five. So combination of Aviators wins and Chihuahuas losses, adding up to five, that eliminates them mathematically. So it's it's unlikely, but I guess it's possible. You know, you keep playing till the end. All right, so moving on to Amarillo. Uh, for our single, Sunday, Ronald Bolaños turned in his second straight six-inning shutout start. The Cuban righty has had seven stellar outings since the All-Star break, but was hit hard in a few others to yield a 3.51 ERA. With eight strikeouts Sunday, Bolaños has 140 on the year, trailing only Joey Cantillo in the Padres system. The 23-year-old will be Rule 5 eligible this winter. Now, he's a guy that I expect them, they're going to add him before the Rule 5 draft, it wouldn't surprise me to see them make a move and call him up in September to give him a shot. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's shown the development, I think, to, to, to warrant it. I mean, what, what do we get to lose? We, we expand the rosters. We need to see what we have uh, with all the depleted, you know, arms in our system. Why not? Well, and they, they invested a bunch of money in him when they signed him out of Cuba. So he's not, you know, he's not somebody that's kind of on the on the back burner. He's somebody that they've had their eyes on this whole time. All right. So for the double uh, on Monday, outfielder Tra- Taylor Trammell singled twice and scored a run Monday. Uh, for Trammell, it was the, just the second multi-hit game since he joined the Amarillo roster on August first. Did you see Dennis Lynn's article about Trammell today? 
I did not. He wrote a nice long article about Taylor and went into a bunch of details about mechanics and all this stuff. They're really not messing with his mechanics. Uh, Padron sat down with him and showed him video of what he used to do and what he's doing now. And it's kind of showing how he's departed from some things that he's doing in his lower body. But it's not like we have new ideas. We want you to try this. It's let's look at what's worked for you in the past and see if we can bring that back, which is a, a very safe approach, in my opinion, when you're working with a new player. Excellent. So uh, they are quickly cleaning up around here. So we're going to run through this a little bit. Um, the triple, after so after spending three weeks resting in Peoria, Mackenzie Gore returned to Amarillo for the one final start, striking out five in his six batters he faced. Mack is going to finish the season with 135 strikeouts against 28 walks in 101 innings. Gore allowed a total of 19 earned runs across 20 outings on the year including his lone rough start of the year when he gave up seven over four innings in his first odd count experience. Crossing the 100-inning threshold should position Gore to throw right around 150 innings next year as he prepares for San Diego. I feel like we already talked about that. (laughs) We did. Um, But the 150 innings, uh, you know, that's come up the mad for guys. That seems a little aggressive. We're seeing it right now in Chris Paddock where he's passed his inning threshold from last year by about, what, 20, 20 innings or so? And you're starting to see that that performance fall off. Like he's not getting the results that he did when he first started. So there's a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of tiring. I think um, I think they're definitely for Paddock. He has to have that third pitch. Um, so we'll see how that goes next year. Very interesting. But I can't wait to see him play real quick. And before we move on to Lake Elsinore, Buddy Reed hit a walk up home run to win the game today in Amarillo. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Great job, Buddy Reed. Absolutely. So moving on to Lake Elsinore, the single Wednesday hours after being named co-MVP and positional all-star with the score tied and two outs in the ninth, 200-year-old receiver hit a powering blast to walk it off. You're talking about Luis Camposano. Camposano. Then Sunday had three hits and was a triple shy of hitting for the cycle. Camposano hit a two-run homer in the second, a laser shot that was 111 miles per hour. Off his bat. You know, and they look at that that velocity, what their peak uh, initial velocity off the bat is, because that says a lot about a, a guy's power. So when you see somebody who's 20 years old in single A doing that, that's that's big boy stuff. That's not stuff that you see teenagers do. All right, so for the double... Yeah. Wonder, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I wonder where they got those numbers, and why don't we see that, uh, that more often? Well, that's, that's track man data. So there's a TrackMan device in every uh, affiliated ballpark, and the home team owns that data. Um, and so all the teams in the league get access to that data, but it's not something that's published. So maybe that was something that the, the team might have released, uh, but it's not like you can't go on Baseball Savant or something like that and see that data for minor league players. All right, so for the double, on Thursday, Mason Fox made his Cal League debut in the 10th inning. Uh, so in the 10th inning, he came in, and since it's the minor leagues, they start the inning with the man on second base. Uh, so he immediately walked the first batter he faced, then went grounder, strikeout grounder to avoid damage and pick up the victory. The 20-year-old day three pick last year has been dominant since finishing extended spring training and getting to short season ball. Across three levels, he's allowed just two runs on 14 hits over 28 innings with an electric 49 to 11 strikeout to walk ratio. Um, now, he did give up a couple runs the other day. Uh, he's finally hit that point where guys are starting to figure him out. 
uh, but brand new, brand new kid making his way up the ranks and doing doing well. Okay, so for the triple, the this this was the game that I was at at Lancaster. Uh, the Storm scored in every inning, collected 21 hits, and still risked having the tying run come to the plate before they recorded the final out four-plus hours into the game. It didn't feel like it was that long of a game. Really? Jo- no, it didn't. I mean, there's always stuff going on. So Joey, Gant- Joey Cantillo got through his first three innings impressively, getting the first seven batters and holding Lancaster scoreless. But after a leadoff single in the fourth, he gave up a homer to Luis Camposano's co-MVP, Luis Castro, Luis Castro is a large man. I mean, he's not like he's not like super tall, but he's a first baseman and he's got the first baseman's body. He's just he's right. thick. He's got the strong lower half. Anyway, uh, that might have been the end of it, but the Storm threw the ball away on three straight grounders, allowing a pair of unearned runs and requiring Cantillo to work longer on a 90-plus degree night. He struck out the lead batter in the fifth before a single and four-pitch walk finished his night as he crossed the 90-pitch thresh- threshold for just the third time this season. After showing strong strike zone command in Fort Wayne, the 19-year-old has walked seven in his first 13.1 Cal League innings. So I think what you're seeing there isn't necessarily that he's he's still filling up the strike zone the same. It's just you have more advanced hitters, and they can recognize pitches a little bit better. They know to be a little bit more more uh, discerning when you're looking at his stuff because he, he uses a lot of breaking balls. He uses a, a changeup. He's got that curveball, and it's deceptive. But if somebody can recognize it in the first third of the of the ball's flight, they can spit yeah. on it a little bit more. Yeah, and the, the hitters are also stick to their approach more in high A. And also, this is his first full season of, of pro ball. He's probably getting a little tired himself. Oh, I'm sure he is. So the home run Friday – go ahead. No, go ahead. You got it. So the home run Friday first base, and Lee Solomon blasted a second-inning grand slam as a part of a career night. The former 25th rounder singled as well and drove in five runs. You, got the, to Fort you got the Lee Solomon fan club in this ho- household right here. I try. <laughs> if you guys can buy a minor league jersey, it would be a Lee Solomon jersey. <laughs> you know, I mean, they do those those auctions. I, last year, I picked up a couple of jerseys, and it, it I was picking more based on the size. Uh, but if it was a player I was particularly fond of, I would definitely seek that out. And Lee Solomon, he kind of flies under the radar. People want Mackenzie Gore and Joey Cantillo, Luis Campusano. Those would go for big bucks. I'd be happy to snag a Lee Solomon jersey. Absolutely. Moving on to Fort Wayne, Saturday, Ryan Weathers was tagged for three runs in four innings. As two of the four hits, he allowed win for extra bases. Weathers allowed more than one walk for the first time in seven starts and needed 72 pitches to get through the night. Once again, that's fine. I see a lot of these, a lot of these young guys are getting to the end of, you know, getting to the end of the season. They're getting tired. <laughs> They're more than stretched out. But going on to the double Monday, left-handed pitcher Omar Cruz couldn't get the final out in the fifth as he reached 79 pitches. The Mexican-born southpaw allowed an under run on four hits while striking out seven. Cruz has flashed dominant stuff in the minors this year, with most of his work coming with the ten caps and nine starts. He had a 2.2 ERA to go with 56 strikeouts in 45 innings, relying on a fastball-curve combination that young hitters struggle with. Going off the rail a little bit now, uh, Felix Manjares was called up from Tri-City to uh, to Lake Elsinore, and he made a start yesterday. I think it was only his second start of the season. He made one start with Tri-City, but the rest of his experience has been as a reliever, and he looked pretty good yesterday. Very nice. So the triple... Right-handed pitcher Efren Contreras, the 19-year-old, has led the team in inning pitch 103 and two-thirds, 
and ranked second with 112 strikeouts, which ranks among the top 10 in the Midwest League. His peripherals, including his whip, K-9, baseball to 9, took a step backwards in the high of 68. Moving on to Tri-Cities for our single. Moving on to Tri-Cities. They're now one doors. I got about 10 minutes left, maybe. Okay. Uh, on Saturday, Jordy Barley has struck out 15 times over his last 10 games and pushed his K rate back over 30% for the year. The dynamic 19-year-old continues to flash promise, but p- remains a very raw performer. For the double on Monday, left-handed pitcher Jason Blanchard dominated once again as his scoreless streak stayed intact. He is not allowed to run in seven consecutive outings spanning 21 and two-thirds innings. During that stretch, the Padres' ninth rounder hit, uh, this June has racked up 28 strikeouts against just six walks. Third baseman Sean Gilby doubled twice and scored a pair of runs. The 19-year-old has hit for power and ranks in the top 10 in the league with 14 doubles, and his six homers are second on the team behind Jordy Barley's eight. And, you know, John Conniff is uh, the captain of the Sean Gilby uh, bandwagon. Sean Gilby, yeah. yeah. All right, and then for the Maybe triple. vice president, too. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. With a week left, the Dust Devils hold a two-game lead over Everett for the final playoff spot. They take on last place Vancouver starting Wednesday. And all of these, it seems like everybody's finishing on Monday. Like Monday yeah. is, or, yeah, Monday is the last game of the year for Lake Elsinore. I think it's also the last game of the year for Fort Wayne and Amarillo. Yeah, and then that's it. So by the time we podcast next, uh, we'll be a wrap-up of the season. I wanted to go back to Jordy Barley. He made some real big strides, and I wouldn't mind finding a little more information on him this year uh, on if that's sustained uh, or if it's um, – God, he's only 19. He's been in the system for three years, and we signed him at 16. So to, to see some improvement at 19 um, is, is a fantastic development. And Sean Gilby, maybe he's starting to swing at more pitch. Maybe he's starting to swing at more pitches. <laughs> Yeah, expand your zone to more than just the heart. Right. You know, that's the first time ever in major league in any professional baseball that you've been told that. Um, I'm really excited about it's been a great just, just recap this. It's been a fantastic season. Um, a lot of development in the minor leagues, a lot of that talent that started down there, you know, made it up to the major leagues with varying results. And um but I, I, I think it shows that Preller's plan is working um you know maybe since we have these high expectations that you know that they're gonna that we forget that it takes time that we're not giving them time to develop in the minors that we're giving them time to develop in the major league so you're you know you're you're Adrian Morahone you're you know Michelle Bias who's been fantastic they're still basically double a guy pitching in the major league so you know Josh Naylor should be in triple A. a lot of these guys you know, we've been really aggressive with um, getting up to the majors and using ma- the major leagues as, you know, kind of their proving ground if they're going to stick. And we, we, as Padre fans, I think we lose sight of that. I think why do the, well, the big question is why do the Dodgers always seem to have guys that come up and they're just freaking studs? Because um, they stay in the minors for so long, and when they're ready to come up, they are ready. They are a complete player. I think this last year we saw a lot of these guys come up and they're not complete players. There's a lot of un- there's lots of work to be done, um, but I think with the talent level and and the way you know the way it seems to be moving, that that the Padres are okay with that. With 2020 coming up, there's going to have to be the development almost has to be done. 
and there's going to have to be significant movement, I think, in the, in the offseason with the major league squad because the current team as it is isn't playing for isn't even with outstanding career years in pitching. We're not going to be doing anything in the playoffs the way we're playing right now or have been playing since really since the All Star break or even before. Well, now you're starting to sound like Friar Phil. Ah, <laughs> oh, I, I won't curse, but no, just um, I, and, and this year for the you know watching our guys Joey Cantillo, Blake Hunt, um, you know Tom Cosgrove, all those guys come into the system and and make make huge strides. I mean, really, Joey Cantillo really came out of nowhere. You know, he was a high school draftee. You know, albeit and from almost from a a weak pool of players that being from Hawaii. Um, so to have the success that he's having, moving on the uh, you know coming on the radar, I think it's been a fantastic minor league season. Oh, it has been. So let's wrap it up with the AZL here. Uh, outfielder Peyton Smith continued his torrid August, homering and posting his fourth straight multi-hit game. The 19-year-old righty is hitting 359, 419, 590 for the month after collecting just five hits in his first 50 at-bats of the season. A late-round signee out of high school last summer, the South Carolina product is an example of the slow development path the Padres can afford to take with high-end athletes who haven't faced high levels of competition previously. So the Arizona, one, I think both of the Arizona teams made the postseason. So they have a brief little playoff series uh, in Arizona. I, I think AZL won lost today or lost yesterday. I, I think I saw it in the, uh, in the roundup. Let me look at that real quick. Um, well, while you're looking that up, I want to point out that Monday is the final day of the Lake Elsinore storm season. It's Labor Day. So I know a bunch of our listeners have the day off. Go up there, cheap tickets. It's everything night. And so they're going to have whatever giveaways that they didn't run out of earlier in the season. They're giving them all away on that day. They're going to have food deals. They're going to have drink deals. They're going to have all kinds of promotions going on. So get in your car, drive an hour north to Lake Elsinore, and go cheer on some guys in a game that's probably going to be really meaningful for them. Dude, I might go up there and see if we can't squeeze in some interviews because I'm back on Saturday. Absolutely. Hey, maybe you'll be in a clubhouse. You'll be. You'll get some beer sprayed on you. Oh, I can't do that. All right. There's no beer. They're 19 years old. Real quick, the 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 Padres too have a day off. So with the regular season over, the Padres two club get an off day to prepare for a playoff matchup at home against the Indian Blue team Wednesday. The winner of that game will advance to the championship. So. All the, a lot of the teams in the minor league system went to the playoffs and went to the postseason, which I think is a good thing. Oh, that's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, give them the taste of competition, some uh, some thrill of success. And well, maybe about it. and uh, hopefully not too much agony of defeat. Guitars. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Let's go Padres. Go Padres. <laughs>